The ghosts are moving tonight, restless, hungry. May I introduce myself? My name is Danny Anderson. Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Sectarian Review Podcast. Uh, and we are talking about ghosts and haunting today, so forgive the uh, the abrupt intro if that was frightening to you. I apologize. Uh, there's no way to give a trigger warning on those kinds of things. Um, and so, and that uh, audio, by the way, is from the classic Vincent Price movie, House on Haunted Hill, which uh, is a public domain movie. Uh, for some reason, it's fallen into public domain, and I just love it. And so, um, it's super campy and super Vincent Price. And uh, I highly recommend everybody go watch that. It's easy to find. Um, but I am here once again to welcome you to another episode of the Sectarian Review podcast. We obviously like Halloween around here. And today's episode is about ghosts and hauntings. Uh, that subject was the winner of a Twitter poll a bit back. And we love our listeners. So we uh, went to you. We went with your will in this case. Um, now, real quick, if you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could leave a, a good rating and a nice review at Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere. That helps the show out a lot. I know this is a one-star review on Apple now. Some mean person out there doesn't like me. Um, but uh, yeah, if you can uh, offset that with a nice review, that would be awesome. Um, plus, uh, there's that creaky old Patreon where you can support the show financially as well. Um, so like I said, today we're talking about ghosts and haunted places, which is kind of a, a big amorphous topic to break down. So to help me do it, our longtime friend of the show, Jay Eldred, and pillar of the Christian Humanist Radio Network, Britt Stack. Uh, uh, Britt, how, Britt, how are you doing? I'm fine. I, w- I don't know if I'd call myself a pillar, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I totally would. You've, you've earned that distinction. Uh, Britt, uh, for those of you who don't know, Britt does a lot of like um, behind the scenes uh, work for the network. Do you want to tell us? some of what you do um i mostly do editing for the christian humanist excuse me christian humanist profiles and um i've on a couple of occasions done interviews for it and then uh let's see we did the big uh what was it that it was a theology on tap sort of thing Mm. that um, someone went to i did all the editing for that mostly i do editing my background's journalism so that's where that goes. <laughs> yeah. And that's not like, don't just be dismissive of that. That's a huge, like annoying thing to have to do. Um, editing audio is, uh, is very laborious and not fun at all. So we really, really appreciate Brit for all she does. And I know every time I've done a profiles, I did one with Jay actually. Um, like I always like screw the heck out of that thing. And so like, <laughs> I, I'm sure I just like totally leave you with a mess every time I've done oh, no. one. And so, um, so I, I, we really do appreciate you. And I particularly appreciate you jumping in here at the last minute to join us for this uh, special Halloween episode, Britt. Thanks for joining us. Not a problem. Um, and uh, and joining us is Jay Eldred. How are you doing, Jay? I'm doing great. Uh, school year's in full swing for me, so full steam ahead. Yep, yep. And uh, you're down there in North Carolina. Any recent natural disasters? You always seem um, to be. <laughs> not thankfully, not this year. You know, yeah. um, we we did have Dorian come through. A, a couple weeks ago and we had a few days out of school for that, but it was nothing like Florence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're right there on the coast there. And, uh, and also a lot of Bigfoot activity down there where you are, which is, uh, which yep. is kind of cool. Wait, do y'all call it uh, Bigfoot or Woodburger or, um, Boojum or <laughs> so many names. <laughs> Southwest Virginia, which is like right across from where I live, they have the Woodburger and then Western North Carolina has Boojum, which is, Actually, that might be more of the um, what's his face it abominable snowman. Mm. But <laughs> yeah, we've got the uh, we've got Bigfoot and or Sasquatch, depending on who you're who uh, you're listening to. 
Yeah, Ohio, where I'm from, has the Grassman, uh, and he's uh, it's a it's our local Bigfoot. And actually, my in-laws live right at the edge of Grassman territory, so there's a lot of lore around there. So, um, yeah, that's not what we're talking about today, though. Uh, we should do a cryptozoology uh, kind of. Well, I did a cryptozoology show. We should do another one at some, some point, though. Um, and so, uh, let me. I have a couple of announcements. Um, first of all, uh, just kind of throw it out there. This will be out in time for folks to uh, consider coming to where I work at Mount Aloysius College in Crescent, Pennsylvania. If you're anywhere near, and we're only like three hours from D.C., we're like an hour and a half from Pittsburgh, so it, we're uh, actually pretty easy to get to. We do this uh, charity comic book uh, pop culture convention every year uh, done by my wonderful colleague, uh, Jess, Jose Costanzo. She's uh, the, the chair of my department here in the English department, and she's the head of the comic book club, and they, they put this really great thing on every year all the money goes to charity and it's been a lot of fun we get uh, we do live podcast episodes there's academic presentations and in addition to all the vendors and cool stuff there so if you have a saturday afternoon free on uh, november 9th i'd love to see you over here at uh, mount aloysius college for charity con 2019 and this year's um theme is uh, fantasy so there's a big dragon on the the promo for it but so um and the other uh, announcement I want to make, uh, speaking of hauntings, uh, I have way too many books. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm like, they're falling around down around my ears in my office. And so I'm trying to think of ways to kind of uh, get rid of my books in creative ways. And someone on, on Facebook, I'm sorry, I should have looked it up beforehand, had uh, suggested maybe having some contests. And so if there are listeners who like a, have a particularly favorite episode, you could sort of uh, tag me in it on Twitter or something like that. I haven't really worked out the details. And uh, if you pay me the shipping and handling, I'll send you a book somehow related to that favorite episode uh, off of my shelf. And so somehow I'm going to, I'm going to get a big uh, list of stuff that I want to get rid of. And uh, I want to give you guys who listen to the show first crack at that stuff. Uh, be on the lookout for that in the, in the near future. And if you have any good ways for me to, to offload some of the stuff, uh, I'd love to hear it. So, um, so let's get into the show though. Um, I think it would be kind of fun uh, if you, if, if you kind of indulge me to punctuate this show every now and then with some good ghost stories, um, either something from your own experience. Uh, I don't know where you guys stand on belief in this sort of thing um, or just a favorite uh, ghost story from where you live or, or something that you've heard somewhere. Um, Jay, why don't you begin? Well, being from North Carolina, who can resist the ghost of Blackbeard? Ah, um, yes. I am. I am just down the road from Bath, North Carolina. It's like a thirty-minute drive. We take school groups there the whole time, but it's that classic, you know, um, he, the head floating in the water, and if you're out at night at the right time, you'll see his ship out there, and all of that kind of stuff. There's a lot of Blackbeard lore around here, and every once in a while, treasure hunters go out looking for his buried treasure which also doesn't exist but <laughs> unlike blackbeard's ghost right? unlike blackbeard's ghost which i guess in terms of belief um i don't know where i would fall i'm a, i would say that i'm a skeptic for most of the stories but at the same time i know that there or i believe that there is something more than the physical world so i will make allowance for certain elements of the supernatural yeah, that, you're kind of where I'm at there. I, uh, I guess when I get to my turn, let me. I'll get to my turn in a minute. Um, yeah, uh, I, yeah, yeah. Britt, why don't you go? Uh, why don't you share something? Oh goodness. Um. So I'll actually I'll share an experience. Mm -hmm. Um. 
So this happened 10 plus years ago. I was uh, with a friend. Um, we had gone down to Nashville. Uh, my friend, she's really big into those um, kits. She um, ghost hunting tours that they mm -hmm. do in these big cities. Um, so we're doing this um, walking tour around downtown Nashville and we're in the former red light district, just like not far from the Ryman. And the guide is talking about, there's this um, big doorway. It used to be a club. And apparently if you go step in this, um, this doorway, you can sometimes smell the cheap cologne of the um, club owner. And sometimes girls will feel, um, feel him like start grabbing at their arms and sh shoulders. Yeah. I didn't feel grabbed, but definitely did smell some really cheap cologne or who knows, it might've just been the, uh, some of the people on the tours. <laughs> you never know what kind you're going to get on those tours. <laughs> That's true. Uh, they do attract the type, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. My, uh, I, I, one of my, duties here that I volunteered for at Mount Aloysius College where I work is uh, they asked me to be the uh, club advisor for the paranormal club uh, on campus. And so, uh, and this is not something I founded, right? This is something that's existed before me. Um, but I guess since I teach the horror film class and, and people know that my interests and stuff, they thought I would be a good fit, which I probably am. And incidentally, I'm recording a video of this for um, patrons that can watch uh, videos of the recording. And uh, we have a little haunted ventriloquist dummy that I have sitting over my shoulder <laughs> in the window. And it kind of freaks me out every time I see him. Um, but, uh, and it's sort of become a mas mascot for the paranormal club. But uh, yeah, and so one of the things that we'll do with them is take them to, you know, prisons, like they're sort of abandoned prisons, not abandoned, but uh, prisons that have fallen out of use that now become very um, kitschy ghost tours. And so a couple of mm -hmm. years ago, we went to uh, Moundsville, West Virginia, and this year we're planning an, a trip to Eastern State Penitentiary in, in uh, New York. Yeah. And so, um, one of the things that we did in one, in one of our first meetings was share like local ghost stories from our campus, which is actually a pretty kind of old and beautiful campus. Our, our main building looks very much like Hogwarts. I'm happy to recording this. It, it, it's kind of amazing. You should look us up on the internet. It's a, it's pretty, pretty sweet actually. Um, and, uh, I have to record it in the evening tonight at nine 30. And I really hate walking back, um, through the hallways. Cause they always, the security will always turn a light out on me at like 10, 11 o'clock and, and all these like silhouetted statues are there. And it's, it's, it's quite a creepy experience. Um, and I have to say, um, I have a couple times after recording late night episodes, um, had a, in the same spot in the hallway, we have this uh, old wooden staircase in the middle of our hallway called the Golden Staircase, they call it. And it, it's associated with local kind of legends and ghost stories. Twice I've had just very creepy feelings. And once I heard uh -huh. foot shuffling right there. And so, I mean, I'm like Jay. I kind of like, I don't know how I believe, whether how much I believe in this kind of thing. Um, but given that I do believe in an afterlife, it, it's hard for me to completely dismiss it entirely and it's in there just enough to actually help me sort of uh um, experience real sort of 
uncanny uh, feelings at certain moments in this building. And so after we're done tonight here, I'm going to have to make, take that long walk of shame uh, back to my car there <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and and see what, see what awaits me as I turn that corner around the staircase there. Um, and so, yeah, th- that's one. And if you uh, stick around or if you actually subscribe, that is, to the uh, the Patreon account, then I will um, uh, provide maybe a couple of other ghost stories um, that I will not tell to the general public about our particular campus here. That's uh, I, The students have clued me in on quite a few things that I had no idea was going on right under my nose here. So um, that's that's for that's for the special uh, patrons, though. So um, and, and maybe we'll hear a couple of these as we go through. Um one of the great genres of horror films is the ghost movie, right? And, and it's been particularly resurgent here in the last decade with the Conjuring series, um, particularly. Um, do you guys have a particular ghost movie that you think is um, memorable, effective in some way that you might have some sort of uh, experience with? And this time, maybe I'll start with Brett. Okay, so let me tell you a funny story. I love ghost stories. I like quote unquote ghost hunting. I like reading about haunted places. I hate horror films. Absolutely despise and loathe them. Um, my friend, and I guess Ma is more of a thriller. He recently made, made me watch the movie Ma with um, Octavia Spencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I slept for um, more than two hours that night. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess, I guess Annabelle is technically... A ghost movie. I mean, there's some spirit demonology kind of stuff in with that. Um, that's probably the last one that I went to see. Not the n- new Annabelle one that like just came out, but the one a couple years ago came ar- out around the same time as Wonder Woman. Um, or no, the same time as It. Okay, so, yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, that one I thought was really good. Not too scary. So I could watch it. Um but yeah, I tend to go more for thrillers than ghost stories. Okay. Um, and um, speaking of which, if I can just sort of piggyback on that, I noticed on, on the Facebook feed, Zachary Rogers um, just pitched us a question about that very topic, Britt. Uh, he's, the Annabelle movie is mm-hmm. in the Conjuring universe. Uh, that the the movie The Conjuring mm-hmm. sort of opens with the story of Annabelle, um, and it's this sort of possessed doll. And mm-hmm. um, and so Zachary Rogers is you know great friend of the show. He listens all the time. I think um, I'd love to hear what you think about the paranormal investigators at the center of the story that the Conjuring franchise and its spinoffs are based on. Um, what caught me off guard in the first film is the expectation of a ghost story, but instead landing in the middle of a film about demons. Um, and, and that's actually true about that um, uh, that franchise. It is sort of a place in which the ghost movie and the kind of possession movie intersect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so there are ways in which I think we could probably talk about those almost interchangeably, although I think they are a little bit, I mean, actually significantly different. But the, mm-hmm. the, the Warrens... Uh, are, and I forget their first names. Um, the the fa- the the couple that's the heroes of this franchise. It's based on a, a true family. Um, it's based on a true couple that do this sort of work. They go and um, they're very devout Christians, and they kind of see themselves as doing God's work um, in uh, ridding the world, fighting evil, sort of in their way, in their kind of psychic way. And um, I have to say, though that they are quite controversial. Um, they are, have been accused quite credibly uh, of kind of like manipulating and, 
and kind of bilking, if you will, even uh, some of their quote unquote clients. And so the conjuring movies are, are kind of awesome, I think. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it's, it, I take a, a little bit of cold water on uh, hero worshiping the Warrens. They're actually quite a, uh, the real people are actually quite controversial and, and somewhat sketchy uh, uh, from, from, from what I've read. And so, um, and yeah, they've made uh, quite a, mu- quite a lot of money, I'm sure off of the, uh, the conjuring universe, which is um, a Blumhouse uh, kind of keystone franchise there. So um, have, have either of you seen conjuring? No, I think so. Like yeah. I said, my friend makes me watch horror movies. I don't <laughs> keep track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I do like the the ghost movie here and there, and so The Conjuring is one you sort of have to talk about. And since Zach um, brought it up, I just wanted to uh, to kind of just uh, throw my two cents in. Like, I really like those movies, but there is kind of a, uh, a, a another kind of dark side to the Warrens themselves. So, um, Jay, uh, what do you have for me? Well, I've been trying to rack my brain. I don't know if I really know of any ghost movies that i've actually sat down and purposefully watched um does beetlejuice count okay let's talk about beetlejuice <laughs> i mean i mean we, gosh i mean wh- why not we always yeah we always think you know let's just i don't know what i was where i was going with this but um you know that's a little bit different perspective where you don't really have the perspective of the homeowner experiencing the activity or of the ghost or whatnot it's from the perspective of the ghosts trying to get rid of the homeowner because they just want to be left in peace yeah um and and that is an interesting twist on on it there was a really good movie called the others uh, much more serious than beetlejuice okay right? um with nicole kidman um have you seen this movie yes i'd, I'd heard of it but i hadn't watched it yeah that's I mean, I guess it's a spoiler at this point since I just <laughs> since I just said that. But that's the the premise of that movie. We find out at the end is the people who are being haunted are actually dead, and they're sort of being haunted by the living, um, which is an, you're sort of on the other side of that wall uh, between the dead and the living in that movie. And, and it was a, a very effective ghost movie even before the twist. And the twist makes it very kind of thought provoking. What about the ring? Is that is. Is she a ghost or is she a demon? No, I, I don't think know if it's ever explicitly said. Uh, there is a real, I mean, that's a real deep um, tradition of sort of um, Asian, um, and, uh, like Japanese and Korean um, mm-hmm. ghost movies, right? And so I think she is a ghost. Um, it's been a while um, since I've seen it. Now, I actually, um, some somebody before the American version of The Ring came out, he had some bootleg copy, a buddy of mine. And uh, of uh, Ringu, which was the mm-hmm. the uh, Japanese version of it, and so I saw that first, and I found it much more kind of unsettling than the American version. Um, and so, uh, like I, whenever I've gone back to watch any of those movies, I try to watch the Japanese version <laughs> first because I think it's just much better uh, in a lot of ways. But yeah, that is a, a really um, the there are all these kind of creepy mm-hmm. young girl ghosts, right? That uh, that is a trope in that genre. That it's a really important genre in horror films of you know the the 2000s right of the early 2000s oh yeah and, and so yeah it's a uh, uh that's i'm glad you brought that one up um one that i would say is the shining is, is sort of like that's a, what i was about to say. i was i was wondering if that would actually count as a ghost story i mean i think so because of um all the, well i mean i'm sure that with any kind of kubrick movie you, there's going to be 
people who have sort of like conspiratorial deep reads of the of the film, right? And so, um, but I always took those people that Jack was talking to as ghosts, and the two little girls that Danny sees as ghosts, right? Um, now there are other people that think of it as like just manifestations of psychosis, right? Um, well, um, I have. I have a really good thought about that because um, I just watched and reread The Shining for the crossover episode we'll be recording in a couple of days. Yeah, let me, let me just kind of pause you right there just as a little pitch. Uh, yep. Our Halloween crossover for the network this year is going to be about Stephen King novels. Um, uh, Jay's going to be obviously talking about The Shining on which show? Uh, book of nature, a book of nature, right? Which makes sense. Cause Hackney's uh, leading that one, the, the psychologist and, uh, and I'll be doing pet cemetery here, uh, with, um, with P- Todd peddlers and nobody else at this point has signed up for that one. But, um, but go ahead, Jay. So I, how do I want to put this? I think that the, for lack of a better word, the spirits of the shining could be classified as ghosts. However, most ghosts, can't actually physically touch people now i know that there's there's um exceptions to that i know Britt was talking about the legend in nashville you know someone pinching uh pinching the women or something like that but in the shining you have these spirits that are outright out to kill this family um in the book part in particular one of them actually strangles danny mm. And that's not something you generally find in most ghost stories that I'm familiar with, with that the ghost has that strength that they can physically attack someone that way. They can maybe like a poltergeist, they can use something to injure someone or like, um, depending on the type of spirit, possess someone to hurt another person. Mm. But very few of them of their own accord could actually strangle someone, Mm. at least that I know of. And so, yeah, we're getting to some, some categorical uh, definitions of so, ghosts themselves. Yeah, Right. And so then you go back to, at least in particular with The Shining, like, what are they? What aren't they? And I don't want to like, what, what are the, what are they saying? I don't want to throw, throw away my shot or anything like that. But um, we're, we're told that it isn't really the ghosts that caused the problem that there was a power before, before the hotel was even there that everything is feeding off of. Mm. Yeah. Which I think, am- which would amplify everything, and that's a very Stephen King uh, kind of trope. I mean, a similar thing is in Pet Cemetery, right? There's this sort of ancient evil in the soil, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and it kind of works well, this way uh-huh. as well. Well, it it doesn't. He doesn't actually come out and say that in The Shining, but it's toward the end where they when they're where they're talking about one of the characters said that it wasn't the it wasn't the hotel that did it. It was the land, and even if it were burned to the ground, he wouldn't come within a hundred miles of it ever again. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm very much looking forward to that crossover in general, but that uh, that discussion in particular, um, that that sounds great. Um, and, and so I, I was going to talk about The Shining. I actually, it's sort of an intersection here of what I, I mean, I consider a great ghost movie. Um, but also the first time I saw that, I was actually living in New York City. Um, in, in the late nineties. Um, and so I hadn't seen it yet. Uh, so some friends of mine were watching it and, and we lived in an old theater in times square. We lived like in the upper floor of this old theater. Um, I lived in, um, uh, Spencer Tracy's old room. He had, <laughs> it was a really kind of an amazing experience actually. Um, but the, there, there was a, uh, um, there was a, um, uh, a time after I saw that movie for the first time in where I was, Everywhere I went in the city, 
<laughs> and mind you, the little boy Danny, right, uh, from is the one who sees these two little girl ghosts, right? These, mm-hmm. these twin girl ghosts. Um, and so everywhere I went in the city, I saw these redheaded twin, red, uh, like twins dressed in very like almost like Amish clothing, like old fashioned clothing. Um, and they were like my age, but they were dressed kind of like little girls almost. Right. And everywhere I went in the city, I would see them. I would be in battery park. I could be in central park, um, everywhere in between. I would just weirdly bump into these people. Um, and it just started disturbing me actually for a while. Um, and then I was telling everybody about it and, uh, and they came into the bookstore that I worked in, in, uh, Lincoln center. And, and, um, and, I grabbed my friend Eric and I'm just like, dude, tell me that you can see these girls, right? And, and he could. And then he said, oh, now I'm going to start seeing them. And then um, I, you know, I kept periodically running into these girls and I went, I moved back home to Ohio, moved, went back to visit and I saw them again. It was, it was just a very weird coincidence. After seeing that movie, I had this just kind of almost, Lordy. almost supernatural set of coincidences uh, that almost seemed huh. Pour right out of the movie uh, for me, and so yeah, uh, that was a, a ghost movie that really did have kind of a an impact on me. <laughs> like later on, I'm almost hesitant to tell that story in public because it, it sounds so weird, but it's true. I mean, what are the chances of running into the same people everywhere you go in New York City? But um, uh, yeah, maybe they were just so distinctive looking, I noticed them in ways I didn't notice other people. But um, but anyway, so yeah, ghost movies are a rich tradition, and we can certainly talk about um, any number of them. Um, the Sixth Sense is, a, of course, a classic ghost story, um, and uh, and there are any any number of ways you can go there. So this is there's no kind of uh, oh kind of shortage of great ghost stories in our culture. Um, so why do these stories play such a big role in our lives. Um, why do you think that they're so kind of, we, we sort of love them so much that we just, this is a genre we never drop. Um, this time we'll start with Jay. Well, that's a pretty big question. Um, part of it, I think, is we just like being scared. Um, if that makes sense. You know, some people get an adrenaline rush from a roller coaster. Some people get it from a good ghost story. Mm-hmm. On the on the other hand, you have that kind of cultural memory or cultural awareness of the things that have happened around you. You know, um, it's 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 odd the things that stick with you. I don't know if any of you will ever watched uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Oh yeah, oh, at yeah. all. And most of those scared the daylights out of me. Robert you know, Stack as, was as amazing a, as a young as a young <laughs> kid. But one of the things that he says, and it's always kind of creeped me out now is he said something along the lines of think of think of the house you live in who lived there before you who died there before you do you really know and ever since then i've been kind of creeped out about every house that i've been in thinking about that but it's that idea that we live we live in the present but the people of the past lived in the present too and in some way we're we're connected with them um, yeah, so, yeah, and that's interesting. And so it's not necessarily pure fright that we're we're talking about here. There is no. a, a sense of supernatural connection, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. that frightens us. Um, right. But, but it, yeah, go ahead. It, I was going to say it's almost like the spiritualist movement of the late 18, early 1900s. Mm-hmm. They were holding these seances not not to be frightened, but they were generally trying to contact the other side. And mm-hmm. yes, frightening things happened. But their their goal was to stay connected. They wanted they wanted that reassurance from their from their loved one. Yeah, that's uh, um, and and of course that was a an industry that was kind of 
run by shysters, right? And, and, oh, yeah. And, and, uh, uh-huh. and con people. And so well, most of them. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and um, and in fact, wasn't Houdini uh, a kind of a major debunker of, of spiritualists? I think so. I feel like I read that somewhere, too. And, and I feel like it was because he actually was trying. He actually had someone in his life die. I don't know if it's his mother or something like that. And, and he legitimately did want. Um, someone to reconnect him. Um, and so the, the spiritualists were sort of offering things and, and he was sort of almost angrily, um, debunking them because they were not able to deliver on this promise of reconnecting him to a, a lost loved one. Um, and so, yeah. So you, you do have this sort of sense of, of loss that, um, so there's a connection that's a connection to remind us of what we lost, right? And so there's something innately sad about ghosts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in, in that way. So um, what do you think, Britt? Well, uh, I think that, too, part of this goes back to probably our ancestral oral history tradition and storytelling. Um, I mean, it's there's nothing better than gathering a group of friends around a campfire and telling some scary stories and spooky stories. Um. I know it's one of my favorite camping pastimes. We, uh, I was at a camping trip. I did a camping trip a few weeks ago, Labor Day weekend, and a um, bunch of people. We built a little bonfire where it just, it, it just kind of goes. You start off just talking, and it goes to ghost stories. I think it's, um, it's also a great connector. Every region has its own ghost, its own. Um, um, mm-hmm. its own bad, not bad, evil, its own evil and its history. And I think that it's um, recognizing, recognizing that history and that past and bringing it forward and siphoning some of, siphoning some of that wound away too, maybe. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so, so just tell us that something knocked that off. It wasn't you, right? And so they yeah, had something... Something was communicating maybe, from the other side there. Maybe this table's haunted. It came from my grandparents' house. <laughs> yeah, and there's like a, a local, as an example of what you're talking about, um, Britt, in where I live is sort of in central Pennsylvania. And actually there's kind of a, a weird history right near where we live. It's uh, in uh, the great uh, Small Town Monsters film series uh, made a, a movie about this called uh, Invasion on Chestnut Ridge, which you can get on Amazon Prime. Uh, Seth Breedlove and his crew uh, make all these really kind of great low-budget documentaries about this sort of thing. But um, the, the area we live in is a rather kind of like a lot of things have happened. There's Bigfoot sightings, there's UFO crashes, there's all kinds of weird mm-hmm. um, hauntings and things like that in this very tight region of Pennsylvania. And so there's something about... Um, it's almost like once one of these things start, uh, they kind of accumulate <laughs> upon each other. But uh, but they all one of the primary ones right near where I live that is also based on kind of tragedy and loss, like you're sort of talking about, um, is right up the road from right next to the Starbucks I go to every night. Um, is uh, is a uh, Beulah Road uh, on its way into Nanny Glow, and the um, uh, there's a story of the White Lady of Beulah Road. Um, there's a bridge that goes over the road there. Um, from the ghost town trail and uh, apparently people see this like spectral like figure dressed in white wandering this landscape through here and and the idea is that uh, it's apparently the the spirit 
of someone who lost her husband on their wedding night. There was a, a car accident on their wedding night, and she uh, lost her husband. And, and once the lady died, her spirit still sort of roams and seeks uh, reconciliation with him. And, and it's it's a really kind of like creepy story, right? But it's also got this painful sense of tragedy to it uh, and, and loss. The the sort of law, the disconnect between the past and the present uh, is, is sort of what's at the heart of stories like that one. And, and I think that there's something, yeah, just kind of almost lovely about ghost stories, right? It's not, they're not just terrifying. Um, the, uh, seeing a ghost doesn't have to be a negative experience. And so, um, and yeah, so, and actually I'll have some stories for that for my patrons uh, about Mount Alicia's College here even. So, um, and so um, a couple, any other thoughts on the, the allure of ghost stories before we move on? I'll take that as a no. Um, and, and so um, the other, uh, so I guess it's a good transition though. There's a couple of like key like places in our culture that just sort of attract ghost stories, right? Um, they're like, and so either times of year or like physical places. And so one is mm-hmm. Christmas, right? Christmas, uh, we, it's not just the Charles Dickens, right? It isn't just the, the Christmas right. story. Um, ghost stories in Christmas have a very long tradition. Um, uh, do you guys have anything uh, to say about that? Like, why do you think that is? We'll start with Britt this time. Oh, goodness. Put me on the spot. Oh, sorry. Um, no, you're fine. I, I was sitting here thinking. I was like, uh, you know, I don't I don't know really why. And maybe this is something of my more Midwestern upbringing. But, I mean, we never really did. Like, we did the, the Christmas story, the Charles Dickens thing, talked about ghosts in that capacity. But um, we weren't really big about ghosts around Christmas or in, or it wasn't really a talked about thing. Um, now later on, as I've gotten older and I've moved from place uh, and lived in some different places, it's interesting to see that there are like usually the local, there's local ghost stories that tie into some Christmas tragedy or um, something like that. I mean, where I live now, there's a um, um, ghost story of a, of a battle between um some Native Americans and some settlers mm. and that, yeah, that, that it had happened right around Christmas time. Let me tell you that field where they say that area where they say that happened, it's pretty spooktacular. <laughs> um, they have a hiking trail that goes right through there now, but it, it wasn't, I mean, I guess for me, it's never like, I just, for me anyway, with Christmas, it's never been really ghosty. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about you, Jay? Uh, about the same as Brit, um, but I think maybe one reason why it attracts it attracts ghost stories might be the the simple time of year. the The days are short, the nights are long. It's a time for reflection, and we were just talking about how ghost stories help connect us to the past. So, what better way than with a ghost story? Yeah, and it's it's clearly it works. I mean, we think of ghosts as a strictly Halloween thing, right? But it clearly were. I mean, just if the Christmas story is uh, or Christmas Carol, excuse me, um, Christmas story is a different, <laughs> different, a different movie altogether. Um, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> Christmas Carol is. Uh, I mean, it clearly works uh, to tell the to the lessons of 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 
Christmas really work with ghosts, right? And so, and Dickens is tapping into something there. Um, and incidentally, kind of along those lines, one of the things I love about the town I live in, um, Evansburg, Pennsylvania, um, I don't love everything about Evansburg, but uh, there are many things I do love about Evansburg. And um, the uh, one of them is the, the festivals. We have all sorts of like, you know, almost every month there's some sort of gathering in town where we do things. And, um, uh, one of which is kind of a hacky, uh, Dickens of a Christmas around December. Um, and it's basically because at one point Charles Dickens apparently rode a train somewhere through the general vicinity of, of where we are. And so we've, we now commemorate that with this Dickens of a Christmas. Um, and one of the things they do for that, or they have done in the past is we have this very old, right next to my house, practically, uh, right down the street from my house, um, this old jailhouse, uh, that's like, it looks like a castle and it looks like a haunted house, right? It's like terrifying looking place. Um, and uh, they open it up and let people just wander around <laughs> during a Dickens of a Christmas. And, and people are like, I don't know, like around that time of year, I think for the reasons that Jay is describing, because it's dark earlier and it just, there's a kind of a, a almost magical sense in the air. Um, people love to go wandering around this old jail. Um, and I've done it myself. Apparently one of those ghost hunter shows actually filmed an episode in this old jail in Evansville. Um, I haven't seen that episode yet, but, um, but yeah, there is something, um, about Christmas that's there. And, and one thing in addition to that, so, I mean, there's a belief that the, because on the shortest day of the year, um, because of the length of the night or whatever, that's a place where the dead can more easily cross over into the, into the realm of the living. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I think traditionally in kind of pagan, um, I mean, Christ was not born in December, right? Uh, that's just something that we, uh, Western culture has imposed upon um, a formerly pagan um, celebration, right? And so it, um, the Yule was a, uh, a pagan holiday, right? And so it, and it has this sort of haunted memory of a pre-Christian era in that way. And so I think that there's a very good, that's another kind of very good reason that uh, ghost stories became a Christmas tradition. And so, um, and we've just sort of, kind of kept that up through largely through Charles Dickens into the modern world here. But, um, but yeah, there's a, a, a great tradition of Christmas horror movies too, though. So, um, uh, any other thoughts on that on Christmas? The other one I want to get to, I'm not even going to wait for an answer this time, right? Uh, I, I know the answer is no. Um, you guys are worse than my students. I'm just kidding. Um, and so, uh, the next thing, hey, no. <laughs> that's insulting to everybody. My students are wonderful even. So, um, but the, the next thing I want to get to about, about a kind of a place where ghost stories coalesce is the civil war. Um, I mean, it's, it's really, I know I have a historian on here. Uh, and so I wanted to, uh, uh, talk a little bit about, uh, the civil war and what it kind of, like why it's somehow a, 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 a prime spot for hauntings. Do you have any ideas about that one, Jay? I really don't, but even here, it, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say even here. I know you, you mentioned earlier you're near Gettysburg, but even here in coastal North Carolina, we have our civil war ghosts mm-hmm. um, that we have the, uh, let's see, we have downtown, we have the old, it was the Academy building. And then during the Civil War, it was an army hospital. And so there's at least one supposed ghost that inhabits that building, the ghost of a Union soldier, and they call him Big Blue, as opposed to Little Blue, who was someone else. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, well, no, there, there is. It's that kind of thing where there's been more people that report 
the goings on of Big Blue than Little Blue. So mm-hmm. some people are like, oh, well, Little Blue was just made up for the tourists. Mm. That kind of that kind of a thing. Um, as to why it seems to attract ghost stories or at least attract our imagination toward ghost stories, I would almost have to say that it, it, it goes back to the idea that the Civil War was one of the first large scale wars in American history. It was that for it, like it wiped out nearly an entire generation. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that, there's that feeling of loss and the desire to, you know, get, get back someone that you've lost or imagine that lost loved one trying to get back to you. Um, and then as I was saying that I was wondering if the headless horseman would be a kind of ghost story. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, with going back to, you know, why, why is war? Why does war produce ghost stories? It's because so many people die. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, but, and, but particularly with the with the civil. I mean, so the headless horseman is a a remnant of a of a pre republic era, right? Um, right. And so, uh, and so you have this kind of disjuncture with America's past from its present mm-hmm. at the time that Washington Irving is writing, right? Um, although right. I've read somewhere that that is also based on British, uh, uh, or maybe I heard this on a. Maybe I heard this on a Christian humanist podcast recently. Uh, actually, Michael Farmer seems to be coming to my mind as I'm saying this. Um, but uh, Washington Irving apparently adapted some of those from like British stories, right? But nonetheless, it works as an American story because it, it it's sort of about a time before America was America, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, since we've brought up Irving, how could we forget Henry Hudson? Okay. So, you, I'm Rip Van Winkle? Uh-huh. And the idea that uh, Henry Hudson and his crew made it to this Catskill Mountains of New York where they ended up dying. Mm-hmm. So that whole thing, which that figured pretty prominently in my childhood. I grew up, I wouldn't say I grew up near there, but I grew up near enough that it influenced yeah. it influenced our culture. Oh, that's interesting. So with the, with the Dutch and the Germans. Yeah. And the guy who sort of, I mean, that's almost a Moses figure there when you have someone mm-hmm. who, who crosses into the promised land, but is unable to, I mean, doesn't live long enough to see it. Right. Um, right. And so, yeah. And so the ghost stories become a bridge between these lost generations. And, and that, I think you're right. The civil war is, is a really, I mean, that's like the preeminent example of a lost uh, uh, era epic, right? Um, right. It's like you have antebellum and postbellum, mm-hmm. and, and you've got um, an entire generation of people who aren't there to make that transition, um, and so we fill that void with ghosts, right? With uh, mm-hmm. with their spirits that still haunt us. And it can be said that America to this day is still haunted, frankly, by the Civil War and, mm-hmm. and, and the reasons for the Civil War, slavery um, primarily, right? And so, I right. Mean, sociologically haunted and politically mm-hmm. haunted. Right. But, uh, and so these stories, I think maybe are ways to help us kind of deal with those, uh, those losses. Um, and, and that un, uh, unresolved sort of conflict from the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think, Brett? I mean, I, I'd have to agree with what you just said. I mean, that definitely, um, seems to be the way, I mean, it's just, it's a, reconnection and a memory i mean um and it's really just it's the echoes of what's left the the shadows i mean um living northeast tennessee um southwest virginia area um we have 
quite a few of the Civil War hauntings as well. I mean, um, Abingdon, Virginia, which is about 45 minutes away from me, um, they've got um, a tavern and the Martha Washington Inn that are supposedly both haunted um, with um, ghosts of both Union and Confederate soldiers mm. because both were used as um, hospitals during the war. Um, over in Madison County, North Carolina, we've got um, the site of the Shelton uh, Shelton Laurel Massacre, um, mm-hmm. where Confederate soldiers uh, killed uh, some accused Union Unionist uh, sympathizers, and they say that their ghosts uh, still haunt the area where they were killed. Um, then you get you have to look to um, just like you were talking about this the scars the the ghosts in our mist that are um, left um, by such by the um, social impact of that war. I mean, um, I went to college and lived in Mississippi for a while. Um, and so you look at like schools like Ole Miss and um, some of the history with it and um, the university um, uh Grays, or I think is what they were called. I mean, there's a huge, there's a cemetery on the campus with Confederate soldiers buried in it. Mm. And then you go down um, to the Vicksburg and Natchez area and you have um, burned out remains of old antebellum homes, reminders of just how brutal this war was to both sides. Mm. So, and really, and was there, it, I mean, it's literal scars left on, um, left on our history. Yeah, and as you were just talking there, Brett, I, like the idea of memento mori came to mind, right? Mm-hmm. The, the idea of just we have a, a desire, long tradition of trying to remind ourselves that we are mortal and that we will die. And, mm-hmm. and I wonder if that's another reason for these ghost stories. It's not just sort of a, a, a longing for the past, but it's also a, a harbinger of our own futures, <laughs> right? And and, mm-hmm. and I wonder if that's another reason that we we are attracted to stories like this um, is because they they serve that purpose as well as this sort of remembering that we you know are we do have a limited time on this earth um, as mortal beings, and so um, yeah, that's interesting. And and the um, and yeah, and I know that Gettysburg, a big industry in Gettysburg are the ghost tours, right? And uh, there's, uh, you know, especially this time of year, all sorts of lines uh, to get into these uh, into these places to uh, to just sort of experience that in a in a kind of safe way. Um, so I want to kind of keep this one under an hour. Um, I'm trying to be more kind to my listeners in that way. Um, and so as we kind of wind down a little bit here. So ghosts seem to have something to do clearly with cultural memory, right? There's this, uh, mm-hmm. we just, that our discussion of the civil war kind of establishes this. Um, is there something about ruins I think are related to ghosts? I think there's something I've always been very attracted to ruined places. Like when I went to Scotland, mm-hmm. I was just sort of mm-hmm. like, um, uh, just infatuated with old Pictish, uh, slabs of, of, uh, of, the, of a former culture that's no longer there. And the, the castles that are just sort of, uh, falling into ruin, right? There's something, I don't know if it's romantic or whatever. There's something uh, just alluring to me about ruins and, and it's got to be related to, uh, to ghosts. Uh, and, and I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I mean, and I'm going to go back to um, my comments 
Um, this really reminds me, oh, the name is escaping me. Um, but down in southwest Mississippi, there's the ruins of an old antebellum home that was burned. And all that's left are the columns. And um, I, th- I think the big, and you, you get people out there all the time. And I think it's, they are there. It's a ghost of sorts. I mean, there it's houses. It's, it's, I don't want to say the walls have eyes, but mm-hmm. they definitely, we leave our marks on them and mm-hmm. we embed parts of ourselves. I mean, um, on a, I mean, be it the person who built the house, be it the person, I mean, some yeah. of the older houses I lived in, the person who carved the, um, Oh, I'm forgetting all of my lovely words. Um, <laughs> um, what is it? Um, moldings. Oh, yeah. All the moldings. Um, the person, the people who built the fireplaces and um, burnt and then built fires in them for years and years and years. I mean, we're it's they're places where we leave pieces of ourselves. Um, that we aren't ever going to get back. Not necessarily that it's a bad thing, but it's a place that leaves a mark on us. It's a place that we leave a mark on. And it's a very tangible, um, these ruins and older houses or older buildings in general, to me at least, are just very, um, they're, I mean, they're very tangible reminders of where we have been as a culture, as a species, and where we can go from. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, it got a little deep. No, <laughs> no, that's great. I, it is great. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and I'm actually just recently picked up this uh, book. I just started reading it uh, called "The Weird and the Eerie" by Mark Fisher, um, the the author of Capitalist Realism, which I've talked about on the show before, um, but. Uh, he he talked it's a sort of exploring this topic uh, in general and so at one point he says here a sense of the eerie seldom clings to enclosed and inhabited domestic spaces we find them eerie more readily in landscapes partially emptied of the human what happened to produce these ruins this disappearance what kind of entity was involved what kind of thing was it that emitted such an eerie cry? As we can see from these examples, the eerie is fundamentally tied up with questions of agency. What kind of agent is acting here? Is there an agent at all? Right. And so there, the, it, being in a place like that, that, that isn't currently being used for contemporary purposes forces us to kind of fill it with these kind of questions about um, uh, about the past, um, about and other kinds of agency, right? And so uh, I think there's a really interesting uh, way to describe why I've always just sort of loved find uh, who doesn't love to like look at an old ruined barn, for example, right? There's something uh-huh. like really beautiful mm-hmm. about an old ruined barn. My wife um, Kim, she loves to take pictures of these kinds of things, and she has some like remarkable photographs that she's taken of old ruined barns um, and old ruined houses. Like who doesn't fantasize about being in one member of the Scooby-Doo gang and <laughs> walking through <laughs> a dilapidated old house looking yes. for something, right? Looking for clues or whatever, right? And so, um, yeah. What do you think, Jay? Well, I always wondered if there wasn't some truth to the to the uh, the idea that a photograph um, captures a part of our soul. Mm. 
And if a photograph does that, imagine what it would be like for a place that we purposefully pour our heart and soul into. Mm. I mean, our our homes, even if whether we rent whether we rent them or whether we have them built, they're our most personal spaces. We pour our emotions into them. We pour our heart, our soul, our blood, our sweat, our tears. We scream into into the pillows and we laugh at birthday parties and everything else. And that has to do something to the space around it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I'm I'm a skeptic, but I have to make allowances for the supernatural. And there are echoes that I believe reverberate. I mean, that's just the way that it. That's the way that it is. I mean, you can you can walk into a place, and even without anything spooky going on, you can tell what kind of a place it is. If it's if it's been happy or sad or if there's been trauma or whatever. I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a vibe, uh, you might say, right? right? Um, right. And, and yeah, the, um, which, you know, is short for vibrations. Um, and, and so you think about throwing a stone into a pond and that stone has a memory that lives on after it in the form of those ripples, right? And so who's to say that that kind of thing might not happen in, in physical places that we've inhabited and, and moved through those spaces ourselves? Um, I mean, I'm again, I'm a skeptic, but I'm open to the possibility that something like that does like somehow leave a trace of itself, right? Um, right. In, in these old spaces. Um, it's, it's really hard to imagine a, a building being haunted by a traditional ghost. Now, like if you take into the demon stories, it's a little bit different here. Right. But just sort of like human spirits um, in in a a new development. Right. You don't see those movies. Right. You almost have to have the architecture of of an ancient kind of architecture in order to to imagine a ghost. Right. Right. You have you have to have a past to have a ghost. Um, typically, right? And, and one thing I want to say, if you've never read, and I haven't seen the Netflix series, The Haunting of Hill House, um, I have read the book, though. Um, uh, have you seen it, Jay? I have not. It's on my list. Yeah, I, I, I have not seen it. I, I know I should have. I, I mean, frankly, I have. there's just no way I'm ever... I've given up thinking I'm ever going to watch everything I should watch, right? There's just... <laughs> they're producing too much, and I'm never going mm-hmm. to catch up. And so... Um, but... The, the book is actually quite remarkable it, and it doesn't mm-hmm. give you the sense that there was something. It's almost like Stephen King, um, except that it isn't like an ancient evil. It's something about the very architecture with which that building is built that contained the malice of the architect. Right. Um, and that's what the spirit, it's like the house itself is bad is what they keep saying in the book. And I want to kind of talk, read the opening paragraph to The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, um, which is a great novel that everybody really should read, um, if you know, if I should say so. And so, um, and I think it's like one of the great opening paragraphs in literature, and, and it's kind of almost a perfect opening paragraph. No live organism can continue for long to exist sanely under conditions of absolute reality. Even larks and katydids are supposed by some to dream. Hill House, not sane, stood by itself against its hills, holding darkness within it. It had stood so for for 80 years and might stand for 80 more. Within, walls continued upright, bricks met neatly, floors were firm, and doors were sensibly shut. Silence lay steadily against the wood and stone of Hill House, and whatever walked there walked alone." 
right? And so it's a, it's a really great opening paragraph. But um, w- once you find out more, the, the the person who built Hill House was just sort of just a bad person, right? Um, and it isn't anything that bad happened to create ghosts in the bo- in the story in the house itself. It's sort of the construction of the house itself is the ghost, right? Uh, and that, and that's what's haunting the, the current inhabitants of the, of the, of the place. Um, and that's like the one example of somebody kind of speculating about a haunted house without a deep past. Uh, and, and I think it's a fascinating thing to think about um, when thinking about America, um, because America doesn't have that deep of a past when compared to the rest of the world, frankly. Right. right. Um, mm-hmm. And so our ghosts, like the Civil War, right, are constructed uh, are by our living in the present almost, right? And so it's like we're, we're constructing our own ghosts by the things that we're building. And, and I think, I wonder if that's kind of what Jackson is trying to get at in, in the construction of that, of that story, which is a great, great book. So um, uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or, or anything else on a related topic here. Um, one thing I do want to kind of ask about, uh, kind of a intellectual exercise I like to do is, do you ever think about any alternative, like if you want to kind of live strictly in the physical universe, right? And, and, and be a, a, a good materialist, uh, like <laughs> have you like, um, ever kind of thought of rational explanations that would explain supernatural, supposedly supernatural phenomena? Like, oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, uh, like, do you have an example of like for ghosts example? Like, so like, what's a way to sort of explain away this in, in the physical universe? Like, well, like seeing the ghost or like the actions of a ghost. Um, maybe either one. Okay. So, cause like with the actions of the ghost, like you talk people like, oh, the slamming doors and um, books moving and that sort of thing. I mean, there's all kinds, there's um, small earthquakes that people can't feel that will knock off that will knock objects off of tables or move them on tables. Mm-hmm. Um, there's atmospheric um, differences. Um, you look at things like orbs that people say they see floating out in the woods, decaying sometimes um, decaying um, organic materials mm. um, can give off a bioluminescence. Mm. Um, so there's all kinds of of little things like that that would be um an alternative explanation for the supernatural i don't know i like my spirits and my ghoulies and my ghosties so (laughs) i know i i have a i feel a special obligation like responsibility as the advisor for the paranormal club um to not let people go get away they let their imaginations go away from them and so it's always like i'm trying to find things like this to sort of talk them back into reality sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so this is, that's very helpful for me, actually. The, the thing about bioluminescence particularly, I appreciate that. Um, uh, Jay, what about you? Um, as far as seeing a ghost, I think that most of them are just our eyes playing tricks on us, you know, filling, filling in the small gaps or may, perhaps something like might happen later tonight. We've spent um, a good hour or so talking about ghosts. I imagine that, that would prime the pump to being able to be able to quote see one. Um, I'm not looking forward to that walk down the hall. I tell you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So there's there's things there's things like that. I think that that most of the time it's just our our senses trying to fill in the gaps of what it can't see or can't perceive, and then it ends up being something that isn't actually there. 
Yeah. Um, I, I have a couple, like, in addition to that, I've had an experience like that when I watched, um, uh, what was it the exorcism of Emily Rose? Right. Uh, if you've ever seen that movie, it's a very good possession movie. Um, I was watching it alone. I was too afraid to go upstairs. So I slept on the couch that night. And, um, and at some point in that movie, like all the whatever visitations happened at like three Oh six AM or something, something oh, like that. No. And, um, and so, I swear to you, my phone rang at that time and, and, and I, I picked it up. But almost immediately, I thought my brain is smart enough to like reproduce the sound of a phone ringing. Right. And so I'm, I'm sure that it was a nightmare. Right. But just the possibility that it wasn't was uh, was actually quite. Uh, and of course, my pastor, Yuri, he thought I let some demon into my house or something like that by watching the movie. But um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so uh, but I do. I, I think the psychological reason is the first place I would go before jumping to any kind of conclusions. Um, I also like have thought here's my two kind of like big ideas about this. And I'm sure I picked them up from other places. One is um, uh, if we talk about parallel universes, right? If we talk about, we live in a multiverse, I mean, it's not inconceivable that there are like whatever physical conditions can cause particular, you know, whatever those loops in time to sort of uh, collide and, and give somebody an experience that they think is otherworldly, but is just sort of other dimensional, right? And so mm-hmm. if you go into quantum physics, I'm sure there's some way to explain ghosts, right? Um, um, and then the other thing... So go just, ahead. just a quick thought. So would that make us the ghosts in someone else's story? I, I, and that, that's a, a, I'm sure that's possibly true. Uh, if, so, if, so, yeah. so tonight someone's going to go home home and talk about the crazy man waving his arms around in their in their <laughs> office with these weird things on his head right these weird earphones yeah uh, i'm sure that's probably i'm well it would not surprise me that i've haunted people even in this dimension frankly um uh, <laughs> given my physical presence and so um yeah no this is uh, uh this i think that's a, a natural conclusion to draw there jay for sure um and the other one is like I wonder sometimes if, particularly with sounds, if like certain building materials under certain atmospheric conditions can almost act as recording devices, like some sort of silicon can capture uh, a sound of some sort and under and and sort of replay that sound at times. Um, I, I, this is something that I've wondered um, since I've been a kid uh, whether there's some sort of way in which there's like some, I don't know, something in the plaster that if the the humidity is right or something can actually capture something that gets sort of replayed back almost uh, from a, uh, almost like a solid state, uh, like. Uh, oh, yeah. I, wood, wood does do this, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, so, yeah, that's something that I, uh, I, I wonder about. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, in the, the rational brain, I may be going too far to rationalize things, but, um, that's, that's how I roll. So, um, anyway, um, thank you guys so much for this conversation. I, I've been very much looking forward to Halloween, um, for a very long time this year. And, and, and I want to do a, a few, uh, creepy episodes uh by the uh, tomorrow as we're recording this 
the episode that I recorded at Theocon at Messiah College is going to be released. It was about Jordan Peele's horror films, Get Out and Us. Um, as you're listening to this, go back and listen to that if you haven't heard that one yet. Um, I had a great time talking to Chris Maverick about that. We had this one coming up. I'm going to do that Stephen King novel, uh, Pet Cemetery, here in a couple of weeks. And maybe I'll throw in one more if I can uh, by the end of the month. I'm trying to get my Halloween fix in. So um, I appreciate that. Um, and do you guys have any kind of closing thoughts? I think I'm good. Um, I appreciate you, you showing up. Um, Jay Eldred and Britt Stack, thanks for uh, joining me for another episode of the Sectarian Review Podcast. If you're listening to this on the main feed, um, after you go give us a nice review, consider going to Patreon and becoming a patron. You can hear some uh, stories that we're going to tell here just for the uh, for the Insider Club here. So um, take a look at that. Go to Patreon and look us up, uh, Sectarian Review, at, um, at, over at the Patreon site. And then uh, consider uh, becoming a member of this uh, of this elite group uh and uh have a good time sleeping tonight after listening to this uh for (laughs) brit stack and jay eldred my name is danny anderson Mm -hmm.